welcome back to uh, Two Guys with Mics. Um, I am your host, uh, Toby, and with me is my co-host, Jesse. Oh, hey. Super sensual baby-making Jesse here. We're not <laughs> sure about that, but... <laughs> oh, God. It's that may creepy. Been, that may have been the worst thing I've <laughs> ever done. It probably is, but that's okay. Uh, today, we are going to... Um, talk about some unsolved mysteries um, that Jesse knows absolutely nothing about. Uh, just kidding. But <laughs> unsolved mysteries are always pretty fascinating um, because it's like, why are they unsolved? Why haven't they been solved? And God is nobody smart enough to solve them. <laughs> um, <laughs> why, why has nobody solved these? It should be simple. It should be. Like, if you were as smart as us. Uh, no. We have three. Um, the first one, which we'll just go ahead and get right on into it, um, is D.B. Cooper. And that is D and the letter V, not D.B. His name wasn't D.B. It was just D.B. Cooper. And it is the only case of air piracy, I think is how it's labeled, uh, hijacking that has never been solved. Um Basically, in 1971, November 24th, I believe, um, a man named Dan Cooper, um, that's what he used to buy the ticket, that's the pseudonym that he went under, hijacked a Boeing 727 um, in uh, the United States in between Portland and Seattle. Um, Portland, Oregon, and Seattle, Washington. I did not know he was a hijacker. I thought he was a bank robber, but okay. Mm, see? Jesse's learning. See, I, uh, anything I know about D.B. Cooper is, like, there was a guy on the show Prison Break that was supposed to be him, even though he wasn't. Because he probably would have been dead by the time that show was around. Uh, but anyways. Well, he was old on the he, show. Uh, well, he could have been then. Anyways, he uh, requested $200,000 in ransom and four parachutes. And he supposedly parachuted to an uncertain fate. And after he got his $200,000, which would be about $1.2 million in today's money, mm -hmm. uh, he parachuted out of the plane as they were passing over Washington and never to be heard or seen from again. Supposedly we're talking about Washington the, State, not D.C., right? Yes, Washington, D. Washington State. Okay. Um, basically, he boards a plane. Um, he's known for the silhouette that they drew, no, not silhouette, the picture they drew of him. Um, he had like dark sunglasses, kind of just like a, a oval looking face with dark hair, receding hairline, um, with a suit and a tie. Um, he motioned to one of the flight attendants while they were in flight and basically gave her a note that says like, I have a bomb and I'm hijacking this plane. Um, he opens up the briefcase to show what looked like a bomb with a bunch of wires and he threatened to blow it up. Um, he demanded, obviously, $200,000. Um, he was purportedly very quiet while he was on the plane until he alerted the uh, flight attendant. He ordered a bourbon and soda. Um, mm -hmm. He then... Well, excuse me. Um, they landed after they contacted the law enforcement, and they got the money together. And the four parachutes, they got it on the plane. He instructed them where to, to go. 
So it was obviously that he knew some had some form of flight experience because he was showing the pilot where he wanted to go. Once they get over a certain area, he has the back door opened, and he jumps out with one of the parachutes and the money. And at night, it is never heard from again. Huh. And the, the theory of what happened to him goes from, like, a forever. Like, there's, like, a dozen theories of what, what he did. Right. Um, oh, and to be important, when they landed and gave the money, he had all the passengers removed. Only the flight crew was left on. Him and the flight crew were all that remained. There was a total of five people on the board of the plane. Um, it was supposedly raining very heavily that night. Um, so it's theorized, the FBI generally theorizes that he never survived his high altitude jump. And he just died and his, his remains were never found. The parachute was never found. Hmm. So they theorized that he just died. He didn't make the landing. Or some or people he got think away. he did make the landing. He could have been. Or he, exactly, or he got, got away. The only thing that made a break in the case was in the 80s. Um, someone found, a, a boy found money on the banks of, I believe, the Columbia River. I think that's the river on this right. I'm Yeah, the Columbia River. Um, they found some money, and it, it matched the serial numbers on the bills. Mm -hmm. Um so that alone is a good enough theory that he survived. It's possible that the money fell out of the plane and, like, washed down a certain way and made its way to there. Because, like, when you look at where the banks of that river is, it you could kind of get a path where it could have gone, theoretically. But it is safe to say that because of that, at least in my opinion, that he successfully made the jump. Um, the bills were deteriorated, which meant that they had been there for a while, had been buried a little bit. Right. Um, so it, they had to get there naturally unless someone buried them there, which makes no sense why he would have buried them. So we theorize that they, they found their way there. So some of the money may have fallen out during his drop, whatever. Unless it no, just had oh, absolutely sure. nothing to do with it. Maybe. <laughs> um, there are like a list of 12 people the FBI has had suspects, and there's a ton of people who um, came forward and said that they were them. One of the most interesting ones is Barbara Dayton. And she was a recreational pilot in hmm. and, a, and a librarian at the University of Washington. She was born Robert Dayton. Oh. Yes, she is transgender. She served in the Marines and also the Army during World War II. Um, she was familiar with explosions, explosives in the construction industry. Um, and she wanted to be a professional airline career, but she could not obtain her commercial license. She hmm. claimed a couple of years later that she was Cooper to a couple that she had met and like, started flying with and basically ex explained that she was a man. And I learned this from a documentary that HBO put out. And it was funny because they were interviewing the people that had saw talked to her. And she was – they remember they had her over to the house – they were talking to her, and the guy said, you know, I looked at her, and I was like, I think she could have been a man at one point in time. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. This is, like, this is cool. And so it's theorized that after she jumped as D.B. Cooper, that she had a sex change to conceal her identity. You know, that and makes a lot of sense, honestly. It, 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 it does. It's an interesting theory. 
She died in 2002, and the FBI never commented on her publicly. Hmm. They, they didn't really consider her a suspect. It was just someone that claimed to be. Um, but it's, uh, it's interesting. She did, though, recant all the things that she claimed after she learned that she could still be charged for, like, <laughs> hijacking. And she was like, no, nah, that wasn't me. <laughs> now, a lot of these that were theorized that came out and said uh, I was him or, like, we had a – there's a lady out there who said her husband came out and told her at his deathbed that he was D.B. Cooper. And, like, they have evidence or whatever. And it's like, were they – and this documentary was really good because it was like, were they actually telling the truth or were they just, like – trying to get attention or yeah a lot of people who say that like, kind of thing do try to get attention um like numerous people came out and confessed to being jack the ripper uh quite a few people tried to or claimed to be oh what is it bible john who's basically ireland or no scotland's jack the ripper mm-hmm. the one that i find the most probable as in of all the suspects that were you know suspected yeah um if if we want to say that it's a it was one of these people is richard floyd mccoy jr and the reason that he strikes me as the most probable one he uh he served in the military um as a demolition expert and also as a helicopter pilot so he knows explosives for the bomb that he created, mm-hmm. um, and then also alleged bomb. And also he's familiar with flying, so he knows, obviously, skydiving. And he also was an avid recreational skydiver. And, But he is best known because he supposedly copycatted Cooper. Huh. And he hijacked a United Airlines flight. Um, it was a Boeing 727 with um, in Denver. He had supposedly what ended up being a paperweight that he said was a hand grenade and an unloaded handgun. Uh, He demanded four parachutes and $500,000. So the same amount of parachutes and more than double the amount of money. It was delivered and the parachutes in San Francisco airport. He ordered the aircraft back in the air and then he bailed out over Utah. Uh, He left behind his handwritten instructions and his fingerprints on a magazine he had been reading. Um, (laughs) They, handwriting expert later, looked at the note and compared it to one that McCoy had written while he was in service, determining it was him. Yep. Uh, He was arrested with the ransom. But fun fact, he was not arrested because of that note. He was arrested because his brother saw it on the news and then called the FBI. (laughs) And he was like, I'm pretty sure my brother hijacked his airport. He hijacked that plane. And he was arrested because of his brother. Um, then after he he got a 45-year sentence, and then partially the way through, your, through his um, sentence, he escapes from the federal penitentiary that he's being held at with several other people in a garbage truck. And he was tracked down three months later in Virginia Beach, and he was killed um, in a By... shootout with the FBI. Oh, okay. So he died. So we don't know. We could never figure out if it was him. There's no doubt that he committed the the hijacking that he was arrested for. We, we know that. Yeah. The FBI never considered him a, um, a suspect. 
in the Cooper case because, like, he didn't match the Azure description, which if you look at his photo, it's not that far off. And also, like, they, he had a slightly alibi that he was in another, like, in Vegas or something. Yeah. But I look at it, and I'm like, similar, does exactly the same, similar ways, same parachutes. And, yes, it could have been a copycat, but I'm like, there's a good chance he just did it twice. And he was just got caught that time. And I know his brother thinks that he did it. His brother thinks he was D.B. Cooper. Um, but I had another theory that is my personal theory that I came up with. Um, and I've tried looking to see if anybody else, like, has a – if that was, like, a go-on theory. And I'm sure that, like, any investigation it was thought about but probably really quickly dismissed or whatever. But I'm like, so you have – the aircraft takes off. This man is supposedly sitting in the back – None of the passengers really remember him because he didn't draw attention to himself. You only yeah. know about this from the flight crew. He gets lands. The passengers are told to leave. Not told what. Until they get off, that's when they're told there was a hijacker. They weren't told why they were on the plane. He kept it very quiet. The flight attendant, the pilot, and the other flight crew, total of four people, four or five people, are on there. And so my theory is, like, did he even exist? Was it an entire plan made up and fabricated by the flight crew to ex to make to to get two hundred thousand dollars and then split it amongst themselves, and then that could be the reason he was never found. He was never his parachute was never found, and because he as a person because he never never existed. He never jumped out because they only know. And so then you might be like, there were only three parachutes, two or three. I may, I don't, and there was either two or three parachutes still on the plane when the plane landed again. Okay. One of them had been cut open and I don't remember if it's two or three. So bear with me on that one. They could have easily thrown out the other parachute just out oh, of, yeah. out of the plane. But here's the thing. The reason that they know the flight plan where they know he left off is because the pilot says that the, the plane did a, did a uplift because of the loss of weight at the back when he jumps off, losing 200 pounds caused the plane to lift up at a certain point, so they know whereabouts they, he dropped out off. And you'd be like, well, why wouldn't they find the, the parachute if they threw it out? If the pilot and all the flight crew were orchestrating this, they could have thrown out the parachute at an area no one would ever look at and then tell the FBI that this is where he jumped out, which is totally so far away from wherever they threw the parachute out that they would never look there. Right, And then when they land, $200,000 is not that hard to hide. Like at $100 bills, you could easily put it in your own luggage and leave. Um, they found 60, I think, 66 unidentified fingerprints. Well, you don't get fingerprinted when you're, you know, trying to get a plane ticket. And unless you have, you're either working for the government or you're a criminal, you don't have your fingerprints on file. No, so it don't. could have been any of those passengers. And since, as far as I know, none of the passengers remember seeing him, and most of this, it comes, all of his ID and everything comes from the crew, could it not have been an entire conspiracy, whatever, orchestrated by the flight crew? And they had all the serial numbers for the bills, and, you know, like, the FBI put it, gave it to everyone. And so you'd be like, well, they never was spent. Well, either way, the money was never spent because none of the money ever came up through 
being spent. It was always like the, where it was found on the Columbia River. Right. Which they also could have thrown some out yeah. of the money out of the plane to also go forward with the fact that he jumped. And that then they held on to the money for however long and then eventually figured some way to like clean the money. Mm -hmm. I think that's an interesting theory. That it may, you know, it, like the best theories are the ones that make sense. Um, I, I, I think it was Sherlock Holmes in the original, like in the old books. I think he, I think he said uh, the most likely outcome or the most likely theory is oftentimes the, the right one. And that is, mm -hmm. that is incredibly likely that like that, that is an incredibly roundabout way to commit fraud, but it's it 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 makes sense. That also so we hear another thing. There is that was the reason that later the FAA installed what they call was later dubbed the Cooper vane, um, and it's a device that prohibits the lowering of the AFT air stairs during flight because that's how he jumped out. Was the right. back back door open with the stairs? He jumps out. They installed a thing to where he couldn't be, you know, hijacked at all. Yeah. And also, they installed peepholes in all the cockpit doors because you know they couldn't see him jump out when he jumped out because they couldn't see through the cockpit and they were all put up in there. Mm -hmm. And he made them all stay in there. So that's why I'm just like, they they it, now nobody can do that again because also a, a couple of people tried to copycat afterwards. And they installed these. So that's where I'm just like, yeah. I'm like, I was just watching. I was like, I wonder, I wonder if it, the flight crew made it up and did it so that they could make money. It was a giant ploy. They um, could have. It's, it's just interesting. <sighs> it's an interesting theory. But it will net, the, the FBI has officially closed his case. Because mm -hmm. um, it's, like, it's it, likely he's dead. Yeah. If he, if he existed, he's likely dead, and also it, it, they're just not. They were like, if – I think the last thing they were said was if any actual evidence comes up that we see, we'll reopen it again. But most likely, That's usually it what will happens. never be solved. Yeah. That's usually what happens with a lot of cold cases. If, it's, if there's no evidence for a certain amount of time, they will just close it and only, and only continue investigating if evidence comes to light. Uh, but it, it it's a very interesting oh yeah unsolved mystery and and if you, any of our listeners if you want to know more I definitely recommend watching a documentary or two um, the HBO documentary is good if you want theories surrounding the suspects uh, like Interest You Five and you want to know like more about that but if you want the actual story of the entire thing I would recommend just going on YouTube there are several documentaries out there that are all fascinating. And there, you don't even have to find that many long ones. Like you can find one that's just a short, like basically to the point, talking about the story to go in more depth um, about it. Because I, I definitely recommend it. It's a very fascinating. Um, I like any sort of crimes or things that happened in the past that then there are things put in place to strictly prevent things like that from happening because of that specific thing always interests me like the fact that the stairs can't open up anymore yeah on airplanes that had them do they put those in place i don't i don't know if i don't know if planes commercial planes now have stairs in the back even at all anymore they may they probably do i, I don't know i don't not 
it's it's I'm not versed, well versed in, in aircrafts, but it's interesting that they put that in there to keep stuff like that from happening. Yeah. It's fascinating to me. Um, but yeah, but so that's that's DB Cooper, and it's a it's unsolved and likely to never be solved in the future unless yeah. you know miraculously you find a dead guy just with all his money sitting there and with a note that says I was DB Cooper. <laughs> if you find a dead guy in the area around Washington with a duffel bag filled with $200,000, you probably, and, and a parachute nearby, you've probably found DB Cooper. And then take that money and run. <laughs> Come on. Keep it. Take the money and run. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, pretty. It's pretty interesting. Um, the next, on to our next unsolved mystery. Um, are you familiar, Jesse, with the Lost Colony? I am familiar with the Lost Colony. Not as familiar as I'd like to be, but I do know of Roanoke, North Carolina. It is a pretty interesting. Like, oh, not what's the word? Um, <laughs> the funny thing is, it's probably not the only time. Like, it's probably not the only place that's happened that an entire colony has just yeah. disappeared overnight. Um, it wasn't overnight, but yeah. In fact, um, that happens. That happened quite a bit with the early settlements in the in the in not in the U.S. but in like just the Americas. Period. Um, mm -hmm. People would get brought over set up a colony and then that colony would just die because either like problems with the natives or disease or famine or not famine, but like starvation. Um, I mean, starvation was a lot, was usually the key factor in it uh, because like mm -hmm. there was a guy in, I believe it was Jamestown. Uh, there was no food like in a really bad winter. His wife died. Uh, and he actually decided to dig up her freshly dug grave and eat her. So. He did a donor party. Yeah. But, like, yeah, stuff like that. Disappearing people, disappearing colonies. That happened a lot in, uh, in the early attempts at settlement in the Americas. It did. I think, though, the situation surrounding this one is what makes it unique and the circumstances that just are oh, puzzling. Yeah. There's like four or five different theorized outcomes for it, um, but basically, it is it was a colony, the Roanoke Colony, um, established in the Roanoke region, and it was actually established twice. So once in 1585, um, and then it just it didn't it didn't work out. It was a failure. It was a, just a total disaster. So they went back, and then came back in 1853. 1887 um, and set up another settlement that became known as the Lost Colony. It was led by John White um, and it was coined the Lost Colony because it literally it's unexplained what happened to them. We To this day we don't know. It's theorized we don't know what happened to them. Um, it they, they basically left them in 1815 I can't keep saying this continued to say 18 but I mean to say 1587 um, then he returned in, I believe, 1590. I, I think I got that one on 1590. And comes back 
And now they had had a step well established. They left him with a boat. They were building houses, um, made basically making a settlement like a village. Yeah. He comes back. I believe it's is it Sir Walter Raleigh. Is that who it is? Yes. He comes back. First thing he notices is on a tree near the village is the words C-R-O carved into the tree. And then as he makes it way further into the village, he notices that it has recently been, like not necessarily recently, but has been fortified with a, um, it's called like a palisade, I think is the, I think that's yeah, the word. Yeah, palisade is a, palisade is a thing. I don't know if it's necessarily what you're talking about. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a wooden fence meant for defensive measures. Yeah, that's a, that's a palisade. Um, yeah, so that is what leads into some speculation, which we'll get into in a second. Um, carved on a post of that palisade was the word. I'm going to try to say this. Bear with me. I'm not very good at pronunciation. Croaton. Croaton? Croaton. I don't, it's C-R-O-A-T-O-A-N. Like Croaton? Croaton. I think it's Croatan? one of the na- I think it was one of the native tribes. Well, it was an island. Um, um, out there. And so they immediately went there to that island to see if they were there. They weren't there. And the interesting thing about the village is it was abandoned. But not in the typical way that would signify they'd all been murdered. Like it wasn't set fire. It wasn't destroyed. Yeah, Everything was packed gone. up. Everything that could be carried was packed up and gone. Yep. Some of the buildings were dismantled and like literally taken apart and taken away mm-hmm. um, with something still around. And so it was very puzzling. And they searched for quite some time, could not find anything. Um, and so like one of the theories is um, the one of the local Indian tribes attacked them and took them, killed them. Uh, and then maybe took some hostages. Yeah, but I, I find that one. I don't. I don't find that one logical because think, I'm yeah. like, when the Indians attacked, they that typically happened. destroyed a lot of things. Um, I personally like and you the would theory. just see you would just see it. Yeah, I personally like the theory. Uh, I think it's the one. I think it's one you believe too. I think they just they probably actually joined with one of the native tribes. Um, and like that. Yep, that's another thing. Tri- the tribes around that area or around like on the eastern seaboard. They were semi-nomadic, or nomadic. Um, they would, like, stay in, like, certain areas at certain times of year, or for a couple years, and they'd move. Uh, it was most, it was a lot a lot to do with the seasons and the availability of food. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may farm for a little while, they may farm for a little while, and uh, pack then pack up and leave. So they if, were known for moving around. Yes, but they would typically stay in the same like region. Um, mm-hmm. So it's entirely possible that they might have joined with one of these native tribes and like packed up and gone with them. Yeah, I think one thing I saw. So that 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 was a common thing, and not, when I mean common, it wasn't everybody was doing, but it was not uncommon for people to have assimilated with certain Native American tribes. Yep, and while. In the case of when Native Americans would try to assimilate with Europeans or go to Europe or stay with colonists, that never lasted. They always no. ended up reverting back to their tribes. But when Europeans did it with the natives, 
it was they very found hard that for them it was, to go back. They, yeah, they enjoyed it. They stayed. They they lived in the light. They found it easy and um, to adapt the culture and everything. They liked it. So it was very rare when that would happen, that a European would assimilate with the Native American culture. They would stay with it. So it's very possible. And I think some of the tribes, um, archaeologists have actually found in neighboring tribes um, things that belong to Europeans. Um, like, think about what could have been like bowls, clothes, metal pieces that just would not have existed in Native American society. And so they've thought that that could be links to the lost colony. Um, another thing that would help for the fact that we just wouldn't find out is if you assimilated with a Native American tribe, their supplies that proved that they were Europeans would die out really quickly. Like their stuff, they would, they would run out of it. Yeah. So eventually there would just be no trace that they were. And there were sightings of sometimes of paler Indians, um, which could be that but also one archaeologist one historian theorized that it was could just be the rise in um i can't think of the word that it used but basically albino um native americans yeah where they're just the paler just without pigmentation basically mm -hmm. um and and while i do find that theory probably the most plausible as to what happened i do like my personal favorite well, yeah, theory. It was probably with the introduction of like European DNA to the gene pool. Uh, mm -hmm. that, that's probably what started happening. Um. My personal theory of what happened, and it's not mine. This is just the one that's out there that I like. Uh, I just find interesting. While I will say the one of them assimilating is most likely the most plausible and most likely what happened. But I like the theory um, basically that they tried to return to England on their own. You know, and when you remember, look back, they were left a boat. Yeah, the boat was not big enough for all of them to get on. Like, and and you run it. They didn't. They never found the boat. Well, they took so down buildings, so they may have tried to build another boat. So it's theorized that they could have dismantled um, the boat. Mm -hmm. I I don't remember. It, it was the the pinnace pinnace, I think, and then dismantled their houses to make the boat bigger, then attempted to sail back to England, and then um, a storm came upon them, and they were all lost at sea. Because you know, it's awful. very highly likely that so yeah. some of them were probably sailors, um, and then that they were just lost at sea on their trying to make their way back to England. Um, and I think that's a, that's a good that's a good explanation of what could have happened to them, because it's like, it would explain a lot of things. Yep. It would explain why we've never seen them again because they well, all were died. They all died yeah. at sea. And um, it explains why you didn't find the boat and also why some of the houses were dismantled. Well, okay. Another thing, another possibility is kind of a blend. Um, so typically colonies like that tended, like the, new, the, the newer ones, they tended to move frequently. When they were just getting started, because with the availability of resources, mm -hmm. um, for example, like yeah. even if you were near a river, and you had fish during like the summer months, or like what, whenever the tide and the weight and the the waters went down, uh, even though there were still fish in the river, 
all the pollutants that were in the water basically made the fish toxic. Um, mm-hmm. So you couldn't fish at certain times. Uh, and, you know, this is this is a new world that they're in. They don't know how to farm here. I mean, for Christ's sake, these people have never seen a potato in their life. Uh, so they, they have no idea what kind of plants are here, here are good to eat. They have no idea what they're getting into. They have no idea what animals are here that they can hunt. Uh, they're very much going in blind. Yeah, they are. The only thing they know how to do is settle and hope for the best. So it's, what's possible is they packed up and tried to move somewhere else to find a place with more resources or like some more food. More readily available food um they packed up and it's possible that they were attacked and like on the way there and just raided and disappeared that's that might be why you don't see any if you do go with the theory that they were killed uh it's probably after they packed up and tried to move yeah and they probably that's they were probably going to croatan island uh because like that they probably put that symbol there to lead somebody there once they got established but they never got there maybe which you know that makes sense for that side of the argument if you want to believe that they were attacked i personally like to be- I, I like the theory that they were assimilated um because it did happen mm-hmm. it wasn't common but it did happen more than once uh people europeans would assimilate themselves into the native population. Uh, yeah. I think, I, like I said, I think that is the most... Um, plausible. Plausible outcome. And the most likely scenario. Of course, and I mean, the evidence can both point both ways. It's subjective. It could. Um, the, the, the presence of European stuff in native uh areas could possibly be just that they raided it yeah but it, i it like could have been but i i just find that one yeah unlikely. i don't think like it, it is a very european standpoint to take that they were attacked and killed by the savage indians uh mm-hmm. while there were quite a few tribes that were like kill on site like kill all europeans on site there were more that were more like Let's try to coexist. Yeah. Uh, and what better way to coexist than to, like, literally just become the same nation? Yeah. And it's like, well, let's just... Like, we're suffering here, guys. We're like... Because it's very possible that that's what happened. Is they were really unsuccessful at surviving. Yeah. Suffering. And an Indian nation took pity on them and invited them uh, to basically become it, you know part of them it might have been uh it might have been a, a situation of like uh kind of uniting against a common threat because europeans were getting hit just as hard by the diseases that they brought over as the natives were the natives were getting hit a little bit harder because they had no immune system to as far as like european diseases like smallpox chickenpox uh the flu um, mumps, measles, yep. bubonic plague, uh, <laughs> but you all know, all sorts of plethora of diseases. Yeah, th- uh, 
like and in return the natives in the the uh the bahamas gave the spaniards syphilis which swept through europe like a wildfire <laughs> uh, anyway it's quite possible that they banded together because or to like try and help each other with that kind of threat um mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's 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 all up to, it's all theory at this point. Like, it uh, is, because um, I, I I do stand by this one that, unlike the DB Cooper one, which is the possibility of new evidence coming, the longer, this was so long ago that literally it is impossible to ever know. Near yeah, it was nearly five. What happened? Years ago. We'll, we will never know. And as time moves on, it just any shred of evidence you could possibly find continues to be almost impossible to ever find because how long ago it was and we'll probably never know what happened to them no and that's won't. why i always say if i had a time machine i would travel back and i would like to know what happened to them i think it'd be interesting to find out but we will never know we'll never know what what happened to them and it will remain an unsolved mystery um there will always be plausible theories the most likely theories and the unlikely theories but at the end of the day the unlikely theories have just as much validity as the likely theories because at the end of the day they're both theories yep and we will never know what actually happened to it um but it's interesting it's it's one of the coolest ones for me because as a native to north carolina um and that being my state it's just it's pretty cool it's one of your local legends yeah which um coincidentally brings us to one of my state's local legends. A uh, little bit more... Less legends and just like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> quite quite newer. Like, a lot newer than the Roanoke Colony. Um, some people may know it. I didn't up until about a week ago when Toby mentioned it to me. And now they freak me the fuck out. Uh, what, As they should. What in the world are the Georgia Guidestones? Who made them? Why? And, like, what, like... Just why? Just what the what? fuck are they for? <laughs> what are they? Yeah. I mean, like, for anybody who doesn't know, the Georgia Guidestones are this structure in, uh, oh, what is it? Elberton. Yeah. Elbert County. El- El- Elberton, Georgia, in Elbert County, Georgia. Um, uh, quite about, like, nor- like due northeast from uh, Atlanta. Um. They were commissioned in, I believe, 1979 by a man named R.C. Christian, which was confirmed as a pseudonym, a uh, fake name. Yeah. And he, he commissioned, oh, what is, what is the, the, a granite company nearby who he claimed, or who he, he said he believed had the best granite uh, in the world, like who made the best granite there. Uh, anyway, uh he commissioned these gigantic, I think there's something like 20, 19 feet tall by something like 8 feet wide slabs of granite, four of them. And these these things are massive. They they collectively weigh about 250,000 pounds. Uh, I don't know what that is for non-freedom units. Um 107,000 kilograms. There you go. 
every there, there there's your uh there's your commie metric scale for that one um <laughs> we could have we could have been true americans and said it weighed so many washing machines you know, <laughs> we will use anything but the metric system <laughs> well i mean so will like so, so will the the uk they used stone as a as a unit of measurement but anyway coming back to the guide stones um they're basically they have a list of like guidelines for how whoever built it should like believes that earth should be run yeah there's know, to- 10, 10 different guidelines yeah toby do you have languages. do you have them do you have them written down or something yes. or, okay i actually do so there are 10 guidelines in eight different languages and then there are on each of the slabs because there's four slabs and then a top plate that goes on top of it um and it was supposed to serve as a compass calendar and a clock um and able to withstand a catastrophic event and it Um, can it can the man represented what he said was a loyal group of americans yep interested in preserving something some people believe it was ted turner (laughs) i top of the 10 guidelines in eight different languages there are small message four small messages that are in four ancient languages um the languages that are the eight are english spanish swahili hindi hebrew arabic traditional chinese and russian yep um i believe the um the four ancient ones are babylonian yeah, in cuneiform. a certain script classical classical greek sanskrit and ancient egyptian in hieroglyphics okay yeah. um the the 10 inscriptions number one which is the one that most in our when we get into our theories about this it's the one that most people shock at they don't which like is it. maintain who maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature yeah number two guide reproduction wisely improving fitness and diversity Eugenics. number three unite unite humanity with a living new language four rule uh, passion Esperanto. faith rule passion faith tradition and all things with tempered reason mm. number five protect people and nations with fair laws and just courts number six let all nations rule internally resolving external disputes in a world court Number seven, avoid petty laws and useless officials. I think on that one we can all get behind. Um, (laughs) Number eight, balance personal rights with social duties. Number nine, prize truth, beauty, love, seeking harmony with the infinite. And ten, be not a cancer on the earth. Leave room for nature. Leave room for nature. And it has, because of its, the eminent, anonymity of the guidestones authors their apparent advocacy for population control eugenics internationalisms it's made it a object of controversy and like dozens of conspiracy theories and once again just like db cooper and just like the lost colony there are plausible theories there are straight up crazy ones I think and then there is what I consider the most logical one. I believe which, we're in when agreement you consi- in that one. When you're taking I, – I, I believe we are. We haven't discussed this, but when you take into consideration the time period it, it and everything surrounding – like when you look at the big picture, it's the most logical. Commissioned but in 1979. But because we love fun, 
<laughs> commissioned in 1979, erected in 1980, at the height of the Second Cold War. Yeah. Where everybody was fearing total nuclear annihilation worldwide. And, and I, ironically enough, there were, around that time, there were what were called, these, these maps were floating around that had these proposed areas that were going to get destroyed. Uh-huh. And then areas that were safe zones that they felt because of nuclear war, floods. Because they, they believed that once nuclear war happened, it would set off a chain reaction that would cause all f- forms of natural disasters on Earth. Oh, yeah. Um, and it would wipe out a lot of places. And they theorized that there were certain um, safe zones. And wouldn't you know it, on one of these maps, um, the safe zone, conveniently, in uh, the eastern part of the United States, or southern eastern part of the United States, is conveniently where uh, these guidestones are. Yeah. Um, and it makes sense that the uh, people who commissioned it wanted to leave a guide for when the world was destroyed by nuclear war and disasters to try not to let that happen again. What they believed were the laws and rules society needed to live by to make sure we don't do that again, which is why you feel, if you look at it, it takes care of so many things that were suffering in the Cold War. Um, it was at the height of when overpopulation was slowly becoming a thing. We're at a, and that's why it, it leaves, you know, maintain it, which obviously makes an sense that it's not saying ex- exterminate people till you get to 500 it's, million. It's meant to it's be saying after, maintain, which, after the, <laughs> the 80% of the world after has already been exterminated. So, so it makes you think that it means something's happened to a lot of people. We need to keep the level right here. Yep. Um, it talks about guiding reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity, which adds to number one with the 500 million. Like you need you, yep. when it's like wanting some form of control over reproduction. So those two kind of flow together. It wants everybody to be united under a new language, Esperanto. Um, which which is <laughs> which is what it's getting for its globalism and internationalism, which is basically like, hey. We've seen how nations – this is my interpretation. Let me first say this is my interpretation of what I, I'm reading. Yeah. Um, it's like, hey, all these nations during – we just got off of World War II. We've been in the Cold War, our second basically one. We're suffering. I think we would all do really well if we had one language so we could all communicate. Um, then it goes into what you should rule, tradition, faith, and things like this with tempered reason, which I think means don't let certain things get out of hand allow these things but rule them with reason yeah um then you got in it where it says protect people and nations you know and it's with fair laws and courts because at the time we had had a lot of corruption a lot of people were getting it was where our legal system was getting more and more corrupt and people were being arrested and especially in the united states but also in uh russia during the the cold war where you had communism um and it, it just it was a sh- sign of bad government what not to do people were being arrested thrown in jail for stupid things that shouldn't have been yeah. you know a crime and then it also says that nations should s- keep their internal like th- their their rule over themselves but in things that involve other people it should be taken care of in like a world court the UN um 
Exactly. Then you go into things like avoid petty laws and useless officials, which I agree with just period. Um, you know, but, in Georgia, you're not allowed to eat fried chicken with a knife and fork. It's against the law. In North Carolina, uh, it's on the books. Let me be very clear. Oh, yeah. It is not this one is enforced, too. but it's on the books. A woman is not allowed to drive a car without a man in front of her walking, <laughs> like making sure it stays clear. I'm not even kidding you. In Charlotte, North Carolina, it's, it's still there, but it's not enforced or anything. And I find that one funny. Not, like, I was in a town. It's stupid. But. I was in a town once uh, here in Georgia where it is actually apparently illegal to spit within the city limits. Uh, it's illegal to spit on the sidewalk here. Um, yeah. But it's weird. Th- then you get into balance personal rights with social duties. Now this one is a bit confusing, but what I think the author is trying to say is that for them they believe that. I guess individuality can get too far, can the, be too much. It's, it's, like you can have too many the, personal rights. It's it's the the uh, the old like Star Trek quote: "The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few." Yeah, um, and it's trying to say we need to find a balance between our duties to our I guess our community and also our individual rights. Yeah, um, and then it goes into the it's last like the, two are basic. If the rights of the individual are hurting the community. That that's what it's trying to say. Like it's it, that's a bad thing. Yeah. Now some the like, last, I, the next... I, it's that it's kind of it's kind of hard to get behind a lot of these. They're good in theory, but it's when you put them but into they, practice, in practice it... that they will inevitably yeah. fail. Yeah, and like nine is like price, truth, beauty, love, and seek harmony, which is like just be harmonized with everything. Which is and impossible. then at the end, it's be not a cancer on the earth, leave room for nature, which is you know like climate change saying hey don't trash the earth don't do all these things don't eat away at earth no which see, in theory the is, is a good thing see the thing is um nothing humanity does will hurt the planet as a whole anything humanity does is only going to hurt humanity in the long run mother nature yeah. will always bounce back we could nuke ourselves into oblivion and nature would say no i'm back after we're all dead. Yes. <laughs> but you can you can see these lists and what it says, and you can get the idea that the persons or group persons behind it are trying to do what they think is best to try and not – that when what they think is an inevitable holocaust for – nuclear holocaust for everyone and disaster where we're going to kill a lot of people, they're trying to create what they think – is best to make sure that doesn't happen again. So you yeah. could think that they're, if it's created for that purpose. There's which is also what the I theory believe, that it's is, the ten, it's the ten commandments of the antichrist. Yep, we'll get into those in just a second. <laughs> um, but if you take it into that theory that it is, um, that was their intention and it's purely good. These guidestones aren't har- are, are harmless. I don't think it's um, all they make stuff. now is a, is, is a is a good uh, is a good um, sightseeing thing to do, and I personally agree with that theory that that is what it was. It was created at the height of the the Cold War. They did it out of whatever care for themselves. Um, I do think it's interesting that R. C. Christian also could possibly mean that they were associated with a group, um, the Rose Cross Christians. Yeah, which. Would be interesting, which that is a weird cult. It is, yeah. Of Christians that believe in magic. 
Yeah, it's uh, um, old. It, it's old, dude. It's back. It's like back to the roots. Oh, very old. Roots of like the Templars and the Crusades. Yeah, it's a long time ago. And when you think about that, number nine makes a lot more sense. Um, the harmony and things like that, because that's what they that was their. They believed you could be in harmony with, from my limited knowledge of the the group, you could be in harmony with both the physical, the spiritual, and the um, intellectual forces. Yeah. And it, it created a cross. In that light, it does not mean be, har- be be in harmony with the rest of like civilization. It just means be in harmony with yourself. Yeah. And so that's what their cross represented. You had the physical, I think, once again, my little bit of knowledge, the physical, the spiritual, which would be at the top, which was, you know, God for them and everything, and then the intellectual. And all combined would come to the center where the rose was at the center of their cross, yep. and that transfers that power to you, and then you are infinite. Like, at one point in time, they had, like, a, a group was – the group was mainly comprised of doctors, and they're, they were tasked with not with helping people and not charging them. Um, and I don't, I don't really want to get into the group because I just find it interesting that it's – that happens to match the pseudonym given. And so I think that's a good theory that that group could have been behind – um, putting this together. One thing that I um, think is funny, uh, it, it actually explicitly states that R.C. Christian is a pseudonym on the Georgia Guidestones, but uh, pseudonym is misspelled on the Guidestones. <laughs> I forget how, but it oh. is it is misspelled. Uh, hmm. That's another thing that's on them. It's not just the, it the does, guidelines. It does. It does. Because it says, because I forgot the other things that are in, instructed on these, like inscripted, it says the Georgia Guidestones Center Cluster erected March twenty second. Yeah, it gives instructions on how to use them too. Let the let these be guidestones to an age of reason. Yeah. Um, on the left side of the tablet, there is the following column of tests: astronomic features. Chant one channel through stone indicates celestial pole, and this gets more about where the spiritual aspect of it that you get. Horizontal slot indicates an annual travel of sun. Sunbeam through capstone marks noontime throughout the year, which explains, you know, this is the clock. This is how you're going to use it as a calendar, too. Uh, it says author, R.C. Christian, a pseudonym, um, sponsors a small group of Americans who seek the age of reason. And then, this is the interesting part, time capsule, placed six feet below this spot to be opened on. It's blank, yeah. I it is don't, blank. I don't know if there have been anybody who's dug and found a time capsule. I don't know if it's actually, if there's actually a time capsule there. It might be that the time, that like that they intended to come back and inscribe the date to open it on once they put the time capsule down and they never came back. Uh, because this was met with a lot of controversy when it was first put up. Like within a it year, was. it was like vandalized and there was graffiti all over it, decrying it as like satanistic and demon and demonic and evil um yep partly because of the uh, genocidal nature of the first uh guideline yeah and that's where you get into your interpretations of it that we've already covered the one um, it has been the site and- of a few like secret society meetings over the course of the years um i believe the the klugox clan has met there at least once uh would not surprise me They'll Although meet they, anywhere, yeah, they including will. a Denny's. <laughs> hey, don't knock Denny's, man. They need uh, all the help they can get. They do. 
Um, one theory, and this is, I'll get into why I don't, um, I don't see this as a possibility. Once again, it's a theory, so technically all of them have some form of validity or possibility, but I'll get into my reasons behind this, and this will kind of tie into my theory on conspiracy theories and what I think about them. But when we see something, the first thing that catches your eye on this one is, you know, maintain 500 million in your immediate like there's a lot more than 500 million people on this planet that indicates that a lot of people gotta die and so if you look at it like a telling people telling you hey genocide murder then i could get why you would be you know thinking that this is a a luciferian secret society that is you know related to the new world order which is the theory on this one um that it's, well it it's does like, it does kind of like hint at a one world order it, it hints at and if well, you and if you take it in the see, that's, in the vein of a nuclear apocalypse it would be a new world order true so in that um, context the only reason i don't be, like the only reason i don't like to use the the, the term, term new world yeah. order is because that is a totally different that is a totally different conspiracy theory and and, and um of course if you take it term, in the vein with for, that theory of the illuminati and all that it makes sense. Then you could, but that's a it. it but it's a, it is a rabbit hole that you can get down to. <laughs> they all, the thing. So, dude, all all conspiracy theories connect together at one point or another. They do. You get like a like that uh, like a Nick Cage with um, national, national treasure, treasure type mind with it. But the thing that I find funny, or not funny, but I I, I like to use the term globalist, and you know in in. Yeah, that's that's what this is striving for is as a communal, like not just so nationalistic, Though, but we're also a globe, and that's what this from, is seeming to preach. From a historical standpoint, the term globalism is also a very scary thing. It, it's um, look at the uh, the Colombian Exchange, which I personally think was a good thing on the whole, not necessarily at the time or for certain people, but for the planet and for humanity as a whole. The Colombian Exchange was a good thing. It was the first attempt at real globalism. Uh, some parts of it worked. Some parts of it didn't. Uh, but, you know, that's a topic for another day. <laughs> that is. Um, but, yeah, there is a... One of the theories on here is that it, this this monument has a deep rooted... That the people behind it were in a... Like, has deep satanic origin. And that, you know, it's... They're, these people, they're, they're preaching genocide. They're wanting to murder everyone so that they can get their population down to a manageable uh, amount so that, you know, this big group of people can control this small population. And that's a theory on it. And here's, here's why I disagree with that. Um, but I, I, I don't know if you agree with this theory, Jesse. I haven't asked you. Um, do you agree with it? This is this something, is this the one you, you, you agree or what, what, which one of these, since I've already said which one I agree with, which one that, do you I believe that it is I believe that it is instructions on how to, uh, on how this, these, this group believes the world should be run after an apocalyptic event. Because okay. if you, like, if you look at the population at the time of the Guidestones construction, 500 million would be about 80% of the world dead. That is an extinction yeah. level event. Yeah. Um, 
I think an extinction level event is anything more than 75%. Uh, I'm not which sure. Which also, if the worst fears of the Cold War happened, that would that's happen. a very likely outcome. That was, yeah, that was, that was like being, that was being conservative there. Like, conservatively, yeah. you'd have about 20% of the population left, which would be about 500 million. So, it makes sense in that vein. Um, yeah. It's the and, and, and like think, considering oh, sorry, the very considering uh, that was like the message, the rest of it, the like the globalistic um, all all nations need to come together and be managed together in the same way. That was pretty much the message that was being pushed by the major world leaders. Like it was all about mm-hmm. unity. Like Reagan and Gorbachev, the USSR, and America, the 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 Eastern Hemisphere, Western Hemisphere, the North, South, all of it. That that was all pretty much what was being preached at that time. Uh, It was just like it was what all the politicians were saying. It was just not a whole lot of the like civilian populace uh, went along with it. Yeah, and I think. If somebody came along after this event that killed most of the population, if somebody came along along speaking loud enough, chances are a lot of people would listen because they need guidance, and if they, and they, a, they, they, they feel like something. they need guidance, and if and if somebody claimed, "Hell yeah, this this st- these stones predicted this happening, so they're right. We should follow this." That is an entirely like that is it's it's I don't know. People are more likely to follow something that's written down than just somebody saying something. True. And I think that's why I believe the intentions of the people that put this together came from not a a non-nefarious intent. Um, I don't believe it was a thing that says, hey, let's promote genocide. I think it's like, hey, we believe something bad's going to happen. Here's how you, here's how we think you can keep it from happening again. And the the reason I will say that I think the other theory of that it's nefarious, that it's a conspiracy theory for deep state to kill a bunch of people, and you know it's Luciferian, it's related to the conspiracy theory of the New World Order. Here's the reason that I think that that one that there are a lot of people that believe that one. Um. It's the same reason that I think that people believe that a, a boys club uh, for men to go around and, and share whatever they do together, they think that that runs the world. And I am speaking of the Freemasons. Um, and I, I use it in, in this sense. When people have a secret. I mean, can I just, select can group I just interrupt people real have, quick? You talk about the Freemasons there. That is. I have been to, or I have, I have watched a Freemason meeting. I've never been to one, but I've, I've witnessed uh, Freemasons. My neighbor's meeting. a Freemason. Yeah, my, yeah, a lot of my relatives are Freemasons. Uh, they do not. <laughs> they, yeah. they, there may be some that may think, yeah, we rule the world, but on the whole, they, they're just a bunch of guys who get around and like. Drink beer and talk. Play poker. <laughs> play, drink exactly. beer, play poker, and talk. It's and, it's, it's and when your you look at their origins, group of friends around the yeah, it's a bunch of like it, yeah. Well, well, their origins are different. 
Yeah. So their origins come from actual Masons, and they created a group of a, an organization, a secret organization, for them to people of like-minded um, uh, careers get together and you know share secrets and, and different things like that. And they had secrets. And here's here's where my point is: when a group of people have secrets, and they won't tell the majority the majority will think the worst. Like, yeah. here's, an, here's a hypothetical. Say someone in your family says, you were like, hey, what, what was this? And they're like, we can't tell you it's a secret. You automatically think that what they were talking about was something either negative, bad, or was going to impact you. Because that's what your brain automatically does. Yeah. They can't tell me, so obviously it's about me. And, and so, so that's what I think. It's a gut reaction it's, for all people to fear what they don't understand. And if you don't, and you don't understand something you don't know, so you fear it. Exactly. So the same thing. We don't know who put these guidestones up. We don't know, like what the the situation around it. And so people who don't understand it, human nature is we fear what we don't understand, what we can't wrap around our head. We we fear it. But then again, and we will think the worst there, of it. There's another side to this. It may have been, just been some rich guy. Who was bored and decided to mess with a few people because True. i mean i don't know if you heard about this but recently a bunch of like stainless steel obelisks like triangular obelisks were found all over the u.s yeah like similar to the ones that were in 2001 space odyssey and then they were just they were just some dude some very wealthy welder decided to have a little bit of fun yeah, I heard it was like a like a welder artist yeah. decided to put them in different places and mess with people yeah that's exactly like, what happened like that that's the instance. And so that's where, like, I know people who believe, you know, the Fem Freemason, the Illuminati, and they those are have, a whole different discussion. Well, okay. The Freemasons and, may have like, originally been that. They may have originally been – because most, if not all, of the Founding Fathers of America were Freemasons. Um, well, and, like, most people around here have a Wendy's Frosty card. Yeah. But I mean, but it's like so. I mean, originally they, they like, were there. Like most, if not all, of the people at that time, it was men in the the early U.S. government were Freemasons. So in a sense, yes, the Freemasons were running this part of the world. It's exactly. just that a lot of people it's think just, that they're it, still doing it now, <laughs> and and they're doing it in a nefarious way. No, it's if like, if anything, if the Freemasons were running anything, it would just be. Beer is cheaper, and hunters can shoot more. Exactly. <laughs> that would like, be what the Freemasons stand for now. Exactly. And, like, once again, we get back to the point when people don't understand it, they they fear it. And, like, I talked to my neighbor. I once asked him. I was like, hey, I'd like, I'm curious about, like, the Freemasons and stuff. And he was just – he would, he explained it to me and, like, and, and made it similar. And I was like, why does it get to be so secretive and things like that? He said, well, one of the main reasons, he says, is Freemasons cannot approach – you about joining he said so you only can join if you ask a freemason if you uh, can join he's like well he said, no so we that's don't not have... necessary. I, that may not that may be true for like that chapter or that that lodge i do know that uh around where i live people who are in will ask like their like like their sons or grandsons or whatever uh, to I join. think the family is different. I, yeah, I mean, you ask strangers. family members to join. You don't ask. Yeah, it, it, it's it's not you like gotta um, know some, you gotta, uh, you gotta like have a, the YMCA. <laughs> they're not 
sending out pamphlets and stuff. It's like yeah. you have to know someone. Yeah. And it's like the, the mafia. they cannot approach you. So it's like he's like, that's why it's a smaller group and a smaller sect. He was like, but also we don't have any secrets anymore. He was like, they're all online. And he said, and most of those secrets is just how we do our like initiations and like our like basically lure. Yeah. It's like a it's like if a Dungeons and Dragons community <laughs> post like posted their stuff online like this is that's basically what it's like like the role playing aspects of their yeah um their things it's just a boys club and it's just that's all it is or at least that's I ha- what I, mean, I think it is I and have been to been a told. I have been to a funeral or two like uh of me- people that were in the Freemasons and they were like they do have some manner of ritual when it comes to funerals. They do. Uh, they have a bunch of guys come up and like do some weird salutes and some chants and stuff. Not chants, but like so they they say some passages from their like I guess creed or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. It it's it was a little bit weird. I'll, I'm gonna be honest. I think I was like 14. It was a little strange uh, having never yeah. been exposed to that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, like they like. I have no doubt that the Freemasons were, like, originally founded to be a ruling sector, like, a sect in America. Uh, particularly when it came to, like, uh, like during the Revolution. Yeah. Uh, and, and, like, directly after and stuff. But, you know, nowadays, they they may have some, like, so, some people in their organization who are, like, higher up in the government still but you know i'm sure there's a freemason who holds some form of power but yeah. they're not a group not, trying but to it's not because the they're a freemason yeah it's not it's, it's not because they just a happen to be a freemason but uh before we get too much into the conspiracy theory which by the way if you like this episode and you think you'd like to hear another a, an episode dedicated to conspiracy theory, there's a possibility we could create an episode dedicated oh, yeah. to conspiracy there's, theories depending on so how many. we hone it um, especially if we keep it to a limit of like historical conspiracy theories, I think you can pretty much keep those without getting um, too political. To yeah, and because we we don't want to get this political. Or at but least historical I'll, conspiracies. I'll talk about are politics, fun. but I won't talk about politics that have any kind of bearing on modern society. <laughs> like yeah. if you want me to talk historical about historical politics, Ro- if you want to talk with me to talk about how ancient Rome was governed, sure, or sure, like. Or like the uh, the general policies of like uh, serfdom in like medieval England. Sure, I'll talk about that. But you want me to give my position on any current governing bodies' policies? No. Yeah, absolutely not. We're not doing that. No, I don't feel like we are not mo- about that life. I don't feel like getting stabbed when next time I go to Walmart. Well, I'm not worried about being stabbed. I just, I just don't want to talk about it. Or having my car keyed. <laughs> um, but anyways, so yeah, that, that is our, that's our unsolved mysteries for today. Um, and they're really fascinating. Yeah. Um, I've always, I've always enjoyed mystery, and unsolved ones are even more fascinating to me because it's like, why are, why weren't they solved? Yep. Um, but uh, some of them it just didn't yeah. matter at the time, like. D.B. Cooper, on a grand scale, is really not that significant. <laughs> True. The I think guy, the, the Lost Georgia Colony guy, was a little bit more specific. That, that was more significant, yes. 
the Georgia Guidestones, they're like a fun little roadside attraction nowadays. They have really no bearing. Uh, they're the American Stonehenge. That's exactly what they're called, yeah. The American Stonehenge. They're interesting to look at, puzzling to think about, but really, what do they matter? Like Exactly. In the grand scheme of life. Stonehenge, yes, that was probably used for some kind of like pagan rituals and stuff. Yeah, the, the Druids the Druids did yes, things. Dru- Druidic over rituals there. and It's a portal to the um the dark ether. <laughs> for all you zombie fans Zombies out there that get that reference. Come out. Yeah, zo- uh what is it? Um Apothecans are gonna come out. <laughs> <laughs> the Shadow Man. Just Rick Toffin comes out. Rick Toffin. Just, yeah. It's I, you, I, Dipsy. I, I really don't. I, I'm sorry, but I really don't have time to explain. I have a universe to save. <laughs> just leaves. Yeah. Oh, we could have a whole episode dedicated to Call of Duty Zombies, but yes, we will we not do that because this is a historical episode and that is not history. Well, it, d- it is depending on how you look at it. True. And while Nazi zombies are fascinating. That is a topic for another episode. <laughs> uh, yes. And we will definitely have a guest on if we talk about that. Well, we will um, be. Well, I believe. Let's see. What was you our, can just say it. What was the, uh, what was the, the order? It's, it's random video our, games, music. Uh, or no. Ra- no. Yo, no. Ran- random music, movies, history. Okay. So yeah, next yes. episode we will actually be having our first guest. Um, we will. Do we want to go ahead and tell them who it is? No, but we. I, I think we should. We could share the topic. Like, we'll be doing an episode solely dedicated to the Red Dead Redemption series. Um, and like, how uh, which for you that are, for you that are unaware of what that is, that is a video game uh, franchise, art. and it is arguably, art. it is it. <laughs> if you've ever wondered, um, like, so you know, when movies you have your blockbusters and then you have your things that win oscars uh red dead redemption would fit into the things that win oscars category it I is think it, would it fit is into art. The things that like don't qualify for the oscars because it wouldn't be fair to the rest of the things that are getting nominated for oscars it's the oh that's a good it's it is i'm trying to think of a like a related to a movie and not like <laughs> like that would make it look like that i'm meaning like like a one of the most renowned movies of all times and equate it to that uh, I'd say Citizen Kane, but Citizen Kane is a boring movie. Um, <laughs> love the movie, but it's boring. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what movie I would say. Um, it's like Terminator 1 and Terminator 2. <laughs> movie franchise. They're both fucking awesome, and they're both fucking art, and they're both Very, the, wildly like, different. Wildly different, exactly, because both games are different. But we will have, and it will probably run long, it on the long side, will, probably yeah. our longest episode. But we have our first guest on there on, and we will be discussing how we felt about the game, what our favorite moments in the games, uh, what impact the games had on us, um, future things we'd like to see in the future of the franchise, um, and just general, just talk about it because it's something that both me and Jesse and our guest absolutely love. Um, it's actually one of the things that drew us to being friends. Um, when we first met, when yep. I first met them, um, it, uh, it was one of our first things we talked about and really bonded over. So yeah, video games can bring people together. If any parents are listening, it does in <laughs> Congress. Um, it doesn't just, 
incite violence, as you like to think, or make us stupid. It, it can do a lot. Well, I mean, if um, you really want to know, I actually did a whole paper on that, and I proved, like a research paper with scientific evidence, video games do not cause violence. In, in fact, quite the opposite. They're a reliever. <laughs> if you I take a think... violent person and put them in front of a video game console, they will be less violent when they leave. I do think that um, just like anything, um, the type if depending on your personality type, I think video games can be more stressful for you. But yes. that's just like any form of entertainment or anything can be more stressful for you. But for the majority of people, it relieves stress. Yes. Uh, but that's a different topic. We're yeah. not going to anyway. get into that. That would run us <laughs> long. Um, and with that, we hope you um, we hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll see you again in two weeks. Um, until then, take care, and we'll see you later. Hey, so uh, once again, the editor has to do all the work. Toby wants me to plug our social media pages. So you can follow us on Twitter at Two Guys With Mics. Um, there you can stay up to date on our new episodes and stuff. I also occasionally post random, rather disturbing things, honestly. And if you want to reach out to us with like a suggestion for a new episode, maybe, you can actually email that to us at twoguyswithmics at gmail.com. It is the number two, not the word. Toby was very specific about that point when we named the show, actually. So, uh, yeah. <laughs>